David, hello. It has been an, an, an age since I've heard from you, and it's really nice it's to hear you again. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. So Eons. Well, eons, indeed. I feel like it's been, well, I know how long it's been. It's been a month, actually, yeah. since we last recorded like this. It's, it's probably not as long for the listeners, because we've been like um, pushing out the existing episodes, but yeah. Yes. We do run the risk when we do that, though, of, of becoming incredibly out of date with something that we talk about. So, <laughs> WWDC, how was that then, Daniel? Uh, no. <laughs> Have you seen they, they've released these new chips that are not Intel-based? Oh, yes, what they're calling it, Apple, yeah, silica, what? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so, to oh. date stamp this slightly, I've noticed there are new iPads that have just come out. Yeah, very quietly. And a new Apple TV. And yes. the Apple TV has a TV remote that has a USB-C charging port. Ooh. And the new iPad, the base model iPad, has USB-C as well. And I mean, that's a, a bit of a divisive opinion, but I think I love that direction because it's it gives me hope that the next iPhone will also have USB-C charging ports. Yeah, and then likely. everything I have will be USB-C except my mouse pad and keyboard <laughs> or trackpad. And we can keep a lightning cable hanging around for them. Yeah, um, the uh, Apple TV is an interesting one as well in that they've got a model now without Ethernet, which is the cheaper model. Oh yeah, I actually went to the to the website and I wanted to see the German prices, and it was like the two models were like the one with Ethernet. And I don't know, 256 gigs of storage was the, the more expensive one. And I'm like, how are you charging 40 euros for Ethernet? Yeah. It's just like a completely senseless um, disambiguation, ambigu disambiguation. Oh, my God. I haven't spoken <laughs> English for a while. That's fair. Yeah, um, it is. It is a, a, a ridiculous kind of disambiguation. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, it's, it feels weird. It feels a little bit weird, that split. It feels like they've just arbitrarily said, well, we need a cheaper model. Yeah. We'll cut it there. And I mean, the cheaper model is still 160 euros or so, or even 169 And that's why, that's why I was on that page, because I was thinking, if they finally make a model that is, I think like my 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 absolute maximum would be like 120 or something for a device that's connected to my TV that gives me a yep. little bit of extra because my TV is a smart TV so it can do most of the things and I just don't see paying five times the price of an Amazon Fire Stick or a Google whatever theirs theirs is called mm -hmm. or the Roku or whatever they're all like 20 30 bucks and they give me basically the same feature set and yeah so i was like ah oh, no there's an apple tv app for my tv and that that does almost everything the only reason why i was even looking at it is because one of the things that i, I watch is formula one and they have an app and that app is not available for my lg tv and that's the only thing i was thinking of oh maybe i should <laughs> get an apple tv because then i can watch it on the tv again it's on, off on the computer but not for that price. That is too much for my personal um, like Fair. cost value appro approximation. It's a funny thing because our, our Apple TV, we've got the, I don't know what generation it is now, but it was the 
first one to do full HD. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also got the, um, so it's full HD and it's got the tvOS on it. Whereas we had the one before it, before tvOS became a thing right? as well. So when I bought it, I had all these you know, grand visions of, of being able to do some sort of app for it as well. Um, and I think it's actually the first thing in the house to have USB-C as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, but um, you see, so you get the sense there that that's a little while ago for me. And but I think so I had easy. the same model. I think that's what going back to what twenty sixteen at the latest. The, maybe I had late the one. I had the one that you weren't able to write apps for. I bought that yep. used, and then yep. um, like they had the one that the first one that you could write apps for. And yep. they gave away SDKs for that. I remember That's at WWDC, right, yes. or you could order it or something like that. And I didn't get selected for, for that SDK lottery, or actually yes. hardware kits. Hardware kit, not SDKs. Um, but a coworker of mine did, and after he, he was kind of finished with it, he just gave it to me for, I don't know, that maybe a euro or something, or a beer. <laughs> and so that was my Apple TV. And that was fine until I got this 4K TV because it's only 1080p and um i want i want the nice resolution if i have a 4k tv and also i want um um hdr which the non-4k apple tv also couldn't do yes yeah so so... i think i'm gonna i'm gonna skip this apple tv again and hope that the people who use it will get lots of awesome value out of it yeah i'm sort of looking at it and thinking well because we've got, only got an HD TV at the moment, mm-hmm. um, we just haven't bothered upgrading to, right. to anything more. And there's a couple of reasons for that, and one is that we just don't use it in mm-hmm. the way that demands it would need up- updating all the time. Um, you know, like all of us in the house are on our respective devices more than we're watching TV. But the uh, the other one is that I don't want a smart smart tv uh and what i've realized is the market doesn't care what i want and um <laughs> if i if we want to update then we'll get we'll have to get a smart tv and essentially just make it dumb and don't connect it to anything yeah um which is fine that's okay i can do that um but then at that point it'll be a 4k tv and that will be the point that we update the apple tv um and we will probably update the apple tv at that time because i won't want to use any of the onboard stuff on the on the tv itself yeah um and my reason for that is is because of the the lack of privacy with some of those um onboard stuff um and the fact that you've there was, there's been reports about um some of the the smart tvs effectively sending all of your data back and doing all these kind of weird weird things with it oh yeah i get and that i've heard that too yeah, and I, I just, for me, it's easier to just say, okay, don't connect it, plug an Apple TV, and I trust the Apple TV more than I trust whatever brand, you know, installation of, of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway, that's just a long way of saying. The, no, I'm, the thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm behind on <laughs> all of that. I haven't. Thought, <laughs> I haven't thought about about the the privacy aspect, but go on. No, no, go, go for it. Right. So I I totally get that. And that was the route that I was going to go at first with this TV. Just just be like, okay, 
I'm just going to use this as a dumb screen. I'm not going to connect it to the Wi-Fi or the Ethernet. I'm just going to connect it to the Apple TV and then have all the apps on the Apple TV. Yeah. And then also have it connected to my um, TV receiver and, and use it for that. And it turns out that we don't use the TV receiver at all. Everything yes. we watch on that TV is through an app, through, let's say, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, um, Nebula, mm -hmm. YouTube, whatever, or, or the PlayStation. Um, and so, so the thing is, if, if like, like, there's always an app running that will report back what I'm watching. Like, True. Regardless of if, whether I, re I run it on the Apple TV or on the, um, or on the TV itself. And so in the end, for me personally, I was like, I, I, I decided to just skip the Apple TV because there's one less thing to have. And also mm -hmm. it didn't give me the quality that I wanted. And just live with the fact that there's, um, that Netflix knows that I'm watching this show or whatever. Yes. It's not awesome because um, I, I very much like my privacy. But in this case... I like the data that is leaking out. I don't think I can prevent that from leaking out anyway. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, I think I'm just burnt from the thing about the um, the Samsung TVs. I think it was where they were um, effectively keeping the microphone running a few years ago. Ooh, that sucks. Yeah, mine doesn't have yeah. a microphone. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And, uh, and I, yeah, like if it had a microphone, this thing would not be connected to the internet <laughs> or a camera. Um, I imagine that. But I think it's fair to say I'm, I'm way out of the loop with what smart TVs are actually doing or not doing. And um, yeah, again, it comes back to it just not being a, a massive priority for us as a, a family at the moment to, to update yeah, I get it. That. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, Daniel, coming back to what we normally talk about in the show with our respective <laughs> developments, <laughs> what have you been working on lately? How are things going on your side with Telemetry Deck? Um, oh, I have lots of news. So actually, I haven't been working so much because I finally caught COVID. Uh, I, uh, zero out of 10, cannot recommend it. I, I I've seemed to have weathered it fine so far. Like I've, I'm past the worst part. I'm like my tests are negative again and everything, and I feel yep. okay. But I'm still gonna gonna take it very slow, and not 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 exhaust myself um, and try to give my my body some rest and everything. Um, but I have telemetry deck news anyway. Um, Excellent, because finally I can talk about this. Remember. Um, a few episodes ago when I was always uh, talking to lawyers, talking about contracts, talking to notaries. So finally, yes. I can tell you this on the air, which is uh, Telemetry Deck now has investors. We have a awesome. group of uh, six angel investors who uh, bought shares that are about 3% of the company. So this is not like one of those huge... Uh, venture capital investments where the whole company changes afterwards. These people don't yep. expect us to sell the company to Google in two years. Um, but it is a a tiny bit of a cash injection so that we can continue working on this thing full time and um, that we can just like con concentrate fully on, on building it and on, on 
creating a, a good revenue stream that will just like support us and allow us to organically slowly grow the company and keep our like our morals with us basically and it's awesome that's fantastic news yeah and our investors are um we have we have two privacy lawyers we have um entrepreneurs we have we have um someone who's an expert for antiques for some reason but he's he's actually an awesome dude and um <laughs> but we have lots of people who, who deal with privacy we who, who deal with um with the internet and who are really experts in their fields and you can also give us lots of advice and just be there for them like but if, if something goes wrong and now I, now i have way more people to call and ask for advice which is really really super helpful that's brilliant yeah that's really good so not just um not just investing financially in telemetry debt but they're investing time and um support for you as well exactly and i couldn't be happier and i can pay myself a small salary now which is very helpful because i i like eating also yes, also drinking sometimes advisable. yep and yeah it's 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 really really cool and i'm i'm super super happy that we finally after lots of discussions and changes in the contracts and everything that we finally managed to to get get everything signed and um yeah and it's like this and we finally can tell people about it because um now everything is signed and legal and whatever and we can we we, we basically talked with the investors about how do we break this to the world um yeah we have to write a press release uh, there's like a whole page in that contract about the first Presley release somehow because that's uh, apparently um, startups have made lots of mistakes when talking about their their first investments. Oh, so wow. in this okay. uh, in the original example contract that we got from another startup, there was like a lot of a lot of um, stuff about press releases and stuff that we let out so we we were very careful to like write the press release in a in a in the in a way that was according to that contract and also just like have like a few feedback loops um make sure all the i's are crossed and the t's are dotted stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah no now finally we are out in the open and we even like our press release even got picked up by a few german um publications not the biggest ones but still um pretty nice so it's just um we are now a tiny tiny blip on the startup sky ah but you're there yes exactly exactly that's fantastic well, that's really good news, and um, I know that means now you've got this kind of phase where things are more supported, and that means you can really lean into what you need to do right. to sort of make telemetry deck um, even better right. and to to go to its next stage. So, as a telemetry deck user, I'm incredibly biased in wanting that <laughs> to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just important to me that. Um, people who use telemetry deck like you know that nothing will fundamentally change um i mean like whatever maybe things will fundamentally change at some point in the future but it's not because we're changing the direction or anything like this is we're exactly where we are where we want to be and our investment investors do want us to continue exactly 
the, into the direction that we're going, which is That's great because easy to use, um, like analytics that respect people's privacy. That's really, really good. I mean, yeah, the company may naturally change. What you do may change over time. Um, But to be able to guarantee, yeah, we've had this investment, but the investment itself will not dictate any any sort of change. That's that's great. Right. Um, Because it is the thing. You get used to a service or an app. You find out they've taken on, you know, a load of venture capital investment and then it's usually the first warning of like, uh, okay, this is going to mutate or pivot because right. of that into right. something I don't want to use. Um, like with so, um, yeah, no, that, that's, that that's weather good. app that Apple bought, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then um, and then like a few weeks later, they closed their Android API and everything. Like <laughs> That's right, yeah. Apple has not bought us yet. Mm-hmm. Aqua hire, um, <laughs> which I th- <laughs> I think that's uh, now evidence, isn't it? That's been rolled into their their services. Um, if I remember rightly, the API itself, yeah, is, is part of the the weather API that we got. Um, Which, quick aside, I completely understand from their point of view because there's been so many oh, yeah. weather apps that have used weather API access as an excuse to find to get people's location and then sell that location to just data farms. And so, yeah, basically, they've just like removed that justification from that whole class of apps. Yeah, and now you can use their API. I know there's some costs, isn't there, for for using it? Um, so yeah. there'll be that as well. But I think if you're a small a small weather app, I don't think um, you necessarily need to pay that much. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's good. I wasn't really aware of the the privacy angle there, but um, that is a good thing on Apple's part to to go and do that. Yeah, they're doing a lot of things right in the privacy space. I mean, I don't agree with everything they do, but privacy wise, I trust them a lot. Yeah, one of them, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons, as you might have guessed from my TV conversation before, <laughs> uh, but one of the reasons that I'm I'm in the Apple space is right. because. Yeah, privacy is is more respected right. um, in the Apple ecosystem than compared to others. Yeah, and the other thing that's that's like the big picture. But day to day, what I've been working on today and the last few days was, um, I still haven't finished setting up everything so that our backend API will completely run in Kubernetes, and I'm this close to finishing everything. And every time I, th- I think I've, I've completely understood everything and know how to do things, there's a completely new concept. And that completely new concept will have like a separate website and separate verbs, separate sub-concepts, and everything will just be like starting from scratch. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, so that's that's where I am. Like I have everything running, but I want uh, Let's Encrypt https certificates and there's like a whole thing that does that but it's way more complicated than i um that is probably as complicated as it needs to be i guess but it's Mm -hmm. way more complicated than i expected it to be um and yeah i remember at our old provider 
there was like this checkbox that says, hey, this load balancer is just like a load balancer service. This is load balancing this resource and it automatically generates its own Let's Encrypt, let's encrypt um, HTTPS certificate. Because of course you need HTTPS right. because otherwise um, things are insecure and unencrypted. And yes. um, this is just not not the case. <laughs> this is just not, not, hmm. not something that Azure does. Um, so you can okay. you can use like a a host of containers on your Kubernetes to do the thing, the same thing, but it is more complicated than I expected it at first. Okay, that sounds fiddly. Anything to do with that sort of thing tends to to always take me longer than I think it's going to take as well. Yeah, I've been at this for um, I want to say three days now. Um, and I, and I, I mean, right. I do take more breaks than usual. Like when I, whenever I feel like, oh, I could have a quick lie down on the couch, and then I, I just, I just do that because you know I wanna, I wanna heal fully from, from the, the, the Rone. Yep, that's sensible. Ah, well, hopefully you get that that sorted soon, um, because yeah, HTTPS is pretty vital. But yeah, that's it on my end. What's happening on your side of the the pond, the the earth? Oh, the many ponds in the way because we've got a few oceans, I guess, between yeah. Germany and New Zealand. Um, yeah. So I think when we last talked, I, I was in much the same stage as I am now. Actually, a month <laughs> later, with the uh, the small app, the small little utility app that I I did in my holiday between main jobs. Um. So that app is a utility for exporting audio files from video files. Right. Very, very simple. You've got a video, you want the audio, import it into the app, and you can then trim it to where you want and export the audio file out. Um, that's ready, just about, to go into the store. Um, but I, I've, I'm now on that final stage where... I'm putting together the website. That's fine. That's that's dead easy. I'm going to use that uh, um, template that you advised me of before. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so that, that'll that be a problem solved. But where I am at the moment is that I'm getting hung up on screenshots, actually. So that's that's been my, my most recent thing um, last weekend. I, for GoVJ, for version 2.0, so that's my other app, um, when I put that into the store in July, I just went, okay, I'm going to automate my screenshots and I'm not going to care about framing screenshots or putting text over the top of them in the images or anything like that. They're just screenshots mm-hmm. um, and they're just there and they're the right size and everything because I've automated the the production of them uh, using um, UI tests mm-hmm. and the... Um, a little bit of code that you put in a blog post a while ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 2013, maybe? Yeah, so I've got something set up for that. And um, that works. That generates them all. But like I said, they're, they're just screenshots. They're not framed. And I want framed screenshots uh, for, for this app. And I want a system that is automated still and that I can then reuse for GoVitre afterwards. Hmm. Uh, now, a lot of roads seem to then point to Fastlane because it has um, a built-in framing tool. Hmm. And 
I've tried to use that before and what I ended up sort of running into was that I just didn't like how it was configured sort yeah. of more than anything else um, and that I, I never seemed to be able to get the screenshots to sort of end up looking nice. I, I think if I got spent more time with the tool then it would have done what I wanted but mm-hmm. I was sort of butting my head up against it. Um, so this is a long way of saying I've been looking at trying to do my own thing for... Um, for screenshots for framing <laughs> of course of course let's just of let's course. just um like step aside and just write a whole thing to write the app yeah yeah okay so that's and and that is kind of coming together so so what i've done is i've I've got a um i've got an app that runs and its job is to reference the screenshot image put that inside of a um inside of a frame in swift ui mm-hmm. and then i've got the room then to go and configure the text at the top however i want it within swift ui and i can set the background however i want it uh and the theory is is i can then export the screenshots from that and everything is perfect everything is exactly how i want it um, because I'm far better with SwiftUI these days than I am with almost any other tool for that sort of thing. Very good. I think I did a yeah. did a um, a similar thing for the app that I was writing when I wrote that blog post. Okay. Did you blog post that? Because maybe I should be reading something else. I think I did not. Hang on, let me look at that blog post again. Uh, I think no, I didn't. Um, I mean, the thing is open source now. The app, I can, um, mm-hmm. it's on my GitHub, so have a look. But it's basically just I'll a parameter check, yeah. that I that I pass on na- launch, and then it will just like put overlays on the various screens. Um, otherwise, or other than that, have you considered asking the author of Fastlane for help? Like he's on Twitter and he's super nice, and I know him as well. Yeah, so that's Josh Josh Holtz. Right. Is the current maintainer for Fastlane and has authored a load of the, the scripting around that. Yeah, I probably should. Um, but for for me, this was also an exercise in can I? Can this work? Because it's been a bit of an idea that's been in my head for a while. And you know what it's like. You end up at this point where you just want to give something a try and see. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um there's a couple of other benefits to it as well as that I can, um, if I localize and do that sort of thing, then I can use the localization inside of Xcode um, and I can use localized strings then to go and yes. do what I need it to do. Again, I'm pretty sure Fastlane's got that covered as well. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I'm so far down the line now with this that I want to see it through um, yeah because I've got, I've got my my frames, I've got my images going into the frames um, I've just need to figure out a couple of things for how I'm processing things like offsets um, because each frame that you put images into is a different size uh, that's fine, that's fine there's actually the resource that Fastlane uses has a bunch of frames and it has a bunch of offsets already set inside of its json uh so 
yeah, we'll, we'll see. That gives me a bit of a starting point to, to have a look at for this. But um, if it comes together, if this works how I think it, it's going to work, then I'm going to be quite happy uh, because I can then effectively copy and paste that project and use it straight away for GoVJ as well. Uh, and that's that's the idea, is to try and set things up so that I can just use them between everything that I'm doing. Um and that was that was the other thing is that I didn't necessarily want to use Fastlane because of what I've found in the past has been that that then means I've got to keep things up to date with however Fastlane is now doing stuff, and I just didn't want that extra dependency. For so me, for me, anyway, the, the the most or the the worst thing that always keeps me off Fastlane is that with Fast to use Fastlane you have to use Ruby. And mm -hmm. you have to use a current Ruby version. So you basically have to install a tool that manages Ruby versions. Yes. And that um, that in, in itself is not a problem, but just like adding that complex, complexity is is sometimes too much. And I feel like finally with Telemetry Viewer, which is, which is something that I really want to automate a lot, I'm finally just going to do it, especially because I do everything on build servers. So yeah. like, I don't have to manage or maintain that version of Ruby or whatever on my personal computer. It's just in, in GitHub Actions, basically. And so that yes. makes it way easier to say, like, okay, I have to get it to run once because I have to program the thing and like, develop it. But then, then most yep. of the interaction is just going to happen elsewhere. And that actually makes me feel better about it. Yeah. That feels like the right environment for it as well at that point. Um, because, yeah, that's what I've walked into in the past has been, right, I've got this whole stack around Fastlane itself that I'm now, you know, having to maintain or install or keep up to date. And that's not been where I've been at, you know, especially not as, a, as, as an indie developer that is manually building the app locally as well. That That's, you know... Um, I don't. Yeah, I've just not wanted to to have that overhead on top of things. Yeah, um, I get that. I might be looking at it wrong. I know there's people out there that are using Fastlane all the time that are like, "What are you on about? It's easy. Just to, just do this." I think it's, a, it's yeah. a, I think there's a certain hump at the beginning, and once you're over it, then you start reaping the benefits. But it still needs yes an investment of time and energy at the beginning, like with most tools. And like with most tools, yeah. as long as you don't use them, you don't, you can't really have a feeling for how much do you get back for that energy you're expending at the beginning. Yeah, that's very true. And I think there's perhaps something here that if I keep eating all my time trying to build something else, then maybe I should flip and go back and, and see if I can get over that hump. Um but I'm having fun. I'm having fun playing with this thing as well. So Yeah, but then that's but, the most important thing. And yes. I mean, worst case, you write a blog post about it, and then that's the successor to my blog post that I wrote two years ago. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, the thing that I'm putting together is, is uh, it doesn't care what app it's for, mm -hmm. right? You know, you're just feeding it screenshots and then setting text. Um, so it should be easy enough to just wrap up and put in a repository yeah, that's your, somewhere. That's your next app after the other app that you've yet to release. 
Yeah, that none none of which have anything to do with my main app. So that's probably worth me talking about for a second too. How's the main um, app doing? What is the main, main app? app? It's sort of Go VJ. That's right. Yes, it's my video mixing app, and um, that's going that's going okay. So with that, I've had this period where I've launched it, made a, an update or so afterwards, and then I've kind of left it be while I've been messing around with this other thing. And what I've been trying to do there really is just play with the pricing in the app store to see if I can find the right the right arrangement of prices mm-hmm. that mean people actually pay me <laughs> to sort of put put it bluntly. Um I had a bunch of people buy the app when I first relaunched it and changed the pricing scheme and I think they were the the hardcore users just making sure that they got the thing that they're using all the time paid for and done um there's quite a lot of like lifetime upgrades and stuff done there mm-hmm. um then things tailed off so i started messing around with the pricing and what i did is i completely overshot the market so i put the price up too far and that that was very very interesting because i i set it all up and you, i could see in terms of the sales I was getting, certainly if you zoom out to sort of a week-on-week basis, um, everything died at that point. I killed it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that message was pretty obvious, like the graph had dropped to nothing for for over a week. And so I changed it. And I think it's early days yet. I'm sort of just a week into this change. But um, things have come back online again, and people are merrily buying my app again. Very good. So, hoping that I've kind of got the right balance because if this this is right, you know, and most people are quite happy for the prices that it's at, then it's also better than it was doing before I updated everything at the end of July. So that's great. I've improved where things were at with this. Uh. And it would then also mean the app feels like it's a little bit more sustainable as well. So that's that's um, that's kind of just that that's it really. That's I've messed with the price. Seems like people are paying paying me more, um, or more more people are buying the app. And once I'm through with this little audio conversion mm-hmm. utility thing. Um, and through with making its screenshots nice, mm-hmm. I'll then come back and I will make OVJ screenshots nice for another update, and then I'll start thinking about features again. Very good. So, yeah, feels like the right order because the tendency with with this will be, well, okay, can I just keep adding feature after feature after feature? And what I really want to do is say, okay, are people even using the app? Are people even buying the app? And I think the answer for CoVJ is yes, that they're, you know, they're downloading it, they're installing it and playing with it. And when I'm not trying to charge too much, yes, people are paying for it. Uh, There's another end of the the, the balance where I think it's possible to charge too little as well, but I can't really speak to the depth of that just yet. Um, Anyway, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at. And, um, I've got some ideas for sort of next features for GoVJ that I really, really want to explore. Mm-hmm. 
um, but I need to clear clear my plate first and make sure that um, make sure that it's actually in a stage where it's paying me back to justify going and doing those features. Do you do you want to talk um, about the features, like just in in general, or do you want to keep them in secret? general? Yeah, nah, no secrets for this one. So I've been playing with a thing called um, NDI, which is a type of video transmission. If you go to NDI.tv. You can find out all about it. You there. Um, but essentially what NDI does is it lets different apps send video over network to each other. Um, and it's particularly good for using huh. you know, a local network scenario as well. It's kind of made for um, studios and broadcasting setups to sort of be able to route their, their stuff anywhere. So yeah, NDI as this uh, protocol, it's an SDK, it's a way of mm -hmm. sending video between different applications. And it's marketed mainly at um, studios and broadcast setups and that sort of thing. So it, it enables you to get video um, either from different things in your studio without having to set up loads and loads of cables or it can work in environments where you want to route video um, through whatever network you've got locally available and send it back to a studio. Nice. Uh, so for GoVJ, where this comes in is actually uh, there's an SDK, and the SDK has been updated in the last couple of years. I've been following this project now for some time. I think it came out in 2015. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the SDK got updated in the last couple of years to let people use it on iOS to send and receive. Like originally you could just use it to send and then the PC or Mac-based software had the ability to, to do the receiving as well. Uh, so now you can do both on, on iOS and Apple Silicon. And... Um, what that means is I can use it to send video from one instance of GoVJ to another. Um, it would also oh. mean I can use... Yeah, yes, yeah, so interoperability and being able to kind of jam between different devices as mm -hmm. well. So you can have one person is doing their own mix and then the other person can receive that as an input and add their own bit to the over at the top or whatever. Amazing. It also opens up the, the door to a whole ecosystem of, of NDI-based apps mm -hmm. uh, and then also puts GoVJ in that ecosystem as well. So for people that want to just have an instance of GoVJ running on an iPad or something and then send that into their Mac or PC that is running all of the main um, like sort of studio-based video software, as it were, for, for this sort of thing, um, NDI sort of opens up that door without needing to have lots and lots of other things in the way. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at that. It's a bit of a uh, a random feature in some ways. <laughs> uh, and the, the one that should probably take precedence over it is, is MIDI control. Uh, but yeah, the idea of being able to use the, the whole ecosystem of NDI apps as well is pretty cool because you can have things like you can have cameras that are um, sending their output over network through mm -hmm. this NDI system, and then they you know they can then be linked into my video mixing app, 
and you can switch between cameras potentially using it that sort of thing that's also very cool and and does it make sense to also have like um an i don't know an apple tv app since we have a thing that we've spoken Ooh. of apple tv before today uh i'd like to play with something on it but i am also aware it's a trap in terms of my <laughs> <It's a> time <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, so I think the answer to that one is not yet. Uh, but, but um, yeah, it's, I think I'll do a Mac version of things before I do anything for, for TVOS. Oh, that's also very interesting, I think. Yeah. So it's, with what I've got for GoVJ, it's really easy for me to, to chuck out a Catalyst version of the app. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of things I need to consider, like how does the, the output work when you've got multiple screens to output to mm -hmm. um and do i want to make sure that i've got things like can you just create a new window and that's an output and you can then put that on whatever screen you want you know and just play it full screen that's probably a route as well um but being off ios means that we're then in this multi-screen multi-window environment on the mac potentially so that's that's something I've got to figure out. But in theory, it just works. Okay, you know, uh, select the target for my Mac. I hit run, and it works. It's there. Very nice. Oh yeah, then you should you should definitely do, definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, I think with having something like NDI running, um, I would feel happier doing that because um, a lot of the the things about um, the Mac or PC-based software for this sort of stuff is that they they interoperate with different things, you know, and they receive video from from all over the place. So having that would sort of mean it would feel a bit more um, a bit more professional, mm -hmm. a bit more of of its of its kind, and um, it would then also mean that you you know you can have it running on your Mac doing whatever. But you can also have something running on your iPad or your iPhone sending to the Mac and you can play with that. So this is all very uh, difficult to explain, but easy to see, <laughs> if, if that yeah, makes sense. That. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's where my headset is kind of, yeah, let's get this this utility app and the messing around with screenshots done. And then I can sort of start thinking about features and, and new stuff for go vj and that'll probably be this this ability to send video to and from it over the network um very and nice MIDI control yeah built the ecosystem the ecosystem is so important yeah so th there's a whole load of other things within that that appeal to me like if i do this so it can receive video from other things But then I want to make, like, say, uh, an audio visualizer. Mm. You know, something that, that I have no real space in GoVJ itself to include in the UI, as it is. Uh, I could think about making an audio visualizer app on its own that runs separately, you know, on, on a, another device that can then chuck its output over the network and be received on the other side and mm. into the video mixer. So there's also this possibility I could kind of make some sat satellite apps and things that, that interop with it. 
So totally, totally. And that makes everything more attractive and it gives you like marketing power and everything. Yeah. It gets people to see yeah. your ecosystem. Or there's more points where people can see what you're building and then get interested and see if it's it's for them. Yeah. Yeah. And there's other sides to this as well as is the kind of appealing to me in that the ecosystem for NDI apps and things that, that work with that is bigger than just mixing video in the way that GoVJ does for bands and for DJs and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, there's, there's this, this, this broader base that I could potentially work in by first adding support for it and then exploring, like, satellite apps and other ideas and things that can plug into it. Yeah, totally. And so, just, like, you can even, like, let yourself be led by the requests from your community, you know? Yes. Yes, that's the hope. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where my head's at. It's all very ephemeral at the moment and, and kind of out there, but um, I enjoy playing with this sort of stuff, and I think I've kind of just got to follow that, follow that enjoyment, really. <laughs> Very nice. Did you just did you just say ephemeral? <laughs> I think I did. I tried to. <laughs> okay. I thought it was ephemeral. Uh, ephemeral. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me explain to you things about the English language because uh, you know I've um, I've learned about it in school. <laughs> speak proper English like what I do. Um, ephemeral yeah. yeah it's um it's i will always like keep in my mind because it sounds like you would just say four letters you know f-m-r-l yes also a cool band name and or startup name fmrl.io <laughs> I, I i would i would bet money or at least a beer that this thing exists fmrl.io does it exist <gasps> it does not Ooh, register it Get i it. want no, my name.com hang on FMRL. I should really not do this. <laughs> if you find out it's available, then you've just bought another domain live on the show, right? Oh no, it's actually registered, but it is, it's, it's not pointing to any servers. That's probably for the best, Daniel. So I always take in commas token. Yeah. FMRL.ai is still available. Stop. available. No, no, <laughs> don't do it. See, this is this is how bad it is, right? When you when you know you could, um, you know, you end up looking back after a year and you've got a stack of uh, of different domains registered. Um, no, you know how I, how I keep myself um, um, honest right now. Like I'm only buying domains that are misspellings or other like variations of telemetry deck <laughs> so it's all on brand in the end um and i just I, I just basically point them to the main telemetry deck um url um or domain and then add in the redirect i add like a question mark source equals and then the, the misspelling and so in in the analytics i can then see which way people are misspelling the most <laughs> Also, sometimes I hand out, like, for example, um, like sometimes when I send people the, the link or something, I send them, like, not telemetrydeck.com, but telemetryduck.com, for example. And then I see, like, mm-hmm. ah, haha, someone's clicked on telemetryduck.com. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Yes. All right. I think my voice has had about it. Um, so yeah, I, think I think it's... we should say goodbye. Uh, but first, uh, David, please tell our wonderful, amazing, and really cool, good-looking, and trendy listeners uh, where they can find you on the internet. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at David Gary Wood. That's Gary with one R. And you can find you can find my app, GoVJ, at govjapp.com. And if you're really, really nosy, you can check me out on just davidgarrywood.com as well. How about yourself, Daniel? Um, I am on Twitter as break the system, just one word. And you can find more about Telemetry Deck, my awesome app uh, analytics service that is privacy first. You can find more about that at telemetryduck.com. <laughs> Excellent. Catch you next time, Daniel. All right. It has been an absolute pleasure. Catch you. See you soon. And bye. Bye.